The following audio message is from Neighborhood Church in Overland Park, Kansas. At Neighborhood Church, we seek to be a community that loves God and our neighbors together. If you would like to learn more about Neighborhood Church, please go to www.neighborhoodchurchop.com. All right. Well, uh, we don't do this very often. You know, we don't cancel uh, our in-person service. Uh, There was a season there where kind of had to be done for some sickness that went around um, a few years ago. But for the most part, we um, we get to meet in person. But um, we just decided today to do this. Uh, it's some different. I appreciate those that uh, drove out today to come uh, make this morning possible. Thanks for those who came out yesterday to get some of the sidewalks prepared so that whoever did come to church today or the other churches that meet here in the, in the facility will be safe. And I just want to just thank all of you for being a part of our uh, neighborhood church community. We do feel... Uh, uh, blessed that we would even have these desires to want to try to put on something that we would continue to uh, connect together on a Sunday morning, even though we cannot be in the same room, we could be in the same, uh, studying the same passage and, and learning from God's word uh, about who he is and what he wants for us. So let's begin as we normally do, uh, just a word, word, word of prayer over the sermon time. So would you pray with me? Jesus, we thank you that you have provided uh, all the work to be done. We thank you that your spirit has helped uh, just the writers of the Bible just um, to give us direction even to today, thousands of years later. Oftentimes as we read these words, uh, they still make sense today. It's the firm foundation that we stand on. It's the, what we sing about. It reminds us of the mercy that we receive and being forgiven for the work that you have done. Uh, be with us this morning as we look at the first third of Romans and just do um, just kind of an overview there and you help us be reminded that this life is about you and though we do not see you physically we know that you are more real than anything that we could see into eternity so thank you so much father for sending your son Jesus and your spirit to empower the church to be your hands and feet it's in your name amen Uh, so as we begin I just wanted to the first couple of weeks of the year, we normally do some uh, just refocus, and today my hope is that as we do a little mid-year review on uh, our beginning series on Romans, that it would be a time for you to refocus, a time for you to recognize that there's so much going on in our lives that we can maybe be too excited about this thing or too excited about this thing, we begin to forget about our own walk with Christ, and my hope today is that you would get excited about your um, your relationship with God, and that you would be encouraged uh, by our passages. Last week, I, I, I read from Acts 2.42. We're not studying that this week, but I, I did read, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and the prayers. This was about the, the early church. And my hope is that as we read passages like that in the scriptures, that we recognize that today, in 2024, that we also can be living this way, that there is a joy and excitement about living in a family of God for uh, the glory of the Lord that um, God will continue to add to their number because what a beautiful uh, growing group of family members is those that uh, have been loved by God and desire to love others because they have been loved by God. And as I was thinking about this idea um, before we get into Romans is, is I don't know if you've been on a drive or you have been on a hike, a long hike, um, but oftentimes if you're driving or hiking, you know, it takes you know, 30 minutes to an hour, if not a day, to get up to a location, maybe up in the mountains or some, some scenery that you can kind of see it's kind of a horizon you're excited about it and you're like I want to go there I want to see that I want to I want to be up there and as you become kind of a part 
of that scenery, um, something kind of happens to you. Maybe, maybe you're like me. I kind of like the surprise. So if I'm walking up a, a pretty steep incline, I don't want to look back yet, right? Or if I'm skiing, like I want to kind of wait till I get to the top of the chairlift before I look back because those moments are kind of like all at once just kind of hits you. And then you recognize that you're now part of the scenery. It's this beautiful thing that you don't just get to see, but you get to be a part of. And that's what my hope is as we study the Bible together, as we study these solid truths that we find in the book of Romans, that we are reminded that it's these things we stand on. It's these truths. It's this beautiful horizon. It's this family of God that believes the same things and lives out these beliefs, these pillars of truth that makes us the kind of church that God wants us to be. And my hope is, is that uh, maybe we're not having spiritual revivals every day in our homes yet, right? Maybe we're not, uh, God's not adding to the number of those in his family in this local body of Christ every day yet. But my hope would be that we are living that kind of life, that as we go out as missionaries each and every day, we are engaging the world with the light of the gospel. And I know many of you guys do live life that way. The first thing we read was that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. That's my desire. Not be devoted to Dave's teaching or Joel's teaching or whatever. That's not our desire. Be devoted to the scriptures. Be devoted to the teaching of the apostles and to Jesus. So we're in the book of Romans. As I said, we're going to do a little overview today of this section. And as anytime I do an overview of like some pretty weighty topics, which we've been, you know, it's 15 sermons uh, we, since we started this in the last fall. It was like, how do you study this? And I just thought, why don't we talk through it the way we do? books of the Bible or chapters of the Bible or paragraphs of the Bible in our Bible studies. And I thought we would use the OMG me method that we normally talk about. And if you're not familiar with that, we're just going to walk through that today as we look through a, a, a chunk, a third of the book of Romans of what is God doing? How can we be best fed through this part of the book of Romans? So if you want to just take some notes um, about the passages we're going to go through, we'll be going through a numerous passages today as we look at some OMG me, and I'll tell you what that means in a second if you're not familiar. Um, take some notes there, but I will have all the, the verses we'll talk about today up on the slides, and it's going to be kind of a, um, an overview of these key components. So the first thing um, in my Bible study, my guys' Monday night Bible studies, and I know other Bible studies in the church, is we kind of observe the context. When we read a chapter of the Bible, we kind of say, hey, what's going on here? And normally it's not the first day. It's only the first day, the first day. Then it's other days as we move into the, the books of like First and Second Samuel, like we're in now. And we'll observe kind of where we've been, what's been going on. It's just kind of recognize like this, this paragraph or these, this chapter is not just by itself. It's not its own story. It's a part of a greater narrative. And we'll normally begin our Bible study going like, hey, where are we at in the story? Who, who are these people? Why is it named this? Just some basic five, 10 minute discussion, sometimes depending how far into the book we are uh, to remember all the things that have been going on. But we just observe the context because I think it helps sets the stage. And how I think of my brain, it helps me know like, like some Velcro where to put the information that I'm about to learn. It's like, oh, I'm on a timeline or I'm, this, I'm on a map. I'm this, this area of the world. And it kind of helps me organize things so that I can remember and learn and develop as a person. That's, I think that's super important. So the first thing we observe the context, that's the O in the OMG me. The M of OMG me is the, what does this passage say about mankind? What do you learn about people? Normally pretty quickly when you read a passage of the Bible, you recognize that there's maybe a sin issue. There's a problem. There's a struggle. That's what makes the the story kind of this drama that kind of plays out in the 
scriptures is mankind's kind of struggling. But the beautiful thing is God shows up. So we, after we look at mankind and we say the G, the OMG, the G is God. What does this passage say about God? And sometimes some of the greatest conversations we have is on this question because you know, many times in the scriptures, it is the Bible, by the way, so we learn a lot about God in the Bible, but uh, there's sometimes it's, it's not specific. God is love. That doesn't always show up in all the passages of the Bible. But we see God working. We get to talk about God working. And how that is so important for us as people who study the scriptures is that in our lives, we mostly see how God is working and not so much words written in the sky that say God is love, right? We say, oh, because of my environment or because of things that are happening, I see the Holy Spirit and God working in my life. So that's the third thing we ask is, what does this passage say about God? And we say, OMG, me, because we normally end our time with saying, what's the application from what I've learned about who God is and what mankind is? What is, what is my place in this story. And I share all this because I hope that maybe this acronym OMGME could help you in your personal Bible study, but also it's just kind of how the sermon this morning is going to be laid out as we review the first part of Romans. Uh, as we began our study in Romans, we uh, looked at Romans 1.16. We have that passage up here for us. It says this, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So this has been our key verse and will continue to be our key verse through the study. And what do we learn? Well, first, let's, let's like observe the context. We know Paul is writing to the church in Rome. And what is Rome? Well, this is a couple thousand years ago, first century. Rome is a vibrant and uh, just a bustling city, like a metropolis 2,000 years ago. It's, it's one of the strongest cities in the world at the time, probably. And it was a melting pot of diverse cultures. I don't know if you visited uh, New York City or Chicago or some of our major cities in America, but you'll recognize there is lots of cultures in these major cities. It's been like that for many a year. So religion played a significant role in this time in the world uh, 2,000 years ago, as it does still today. Um, and the religious landscape was as mosaic as the cultures that were in the city. Um, the traditional Roman uh, group of gods was there and the goddesses, and they kind of, they kind of intermingled with the other religions and the cults. Uh, there was an a, a, a imperial cult, if you will, where the emperor of Rome thinks he's God. Like, this is very common and there was a prominent place. There was temples, rituals, uh, religious festivals of all kinds all the time, depending on which uh, culture or religion you were from, from. And it was just shaping the way in the direction of the way people live their lives, the way politics were set up, the way you uh, became a society. And Christianity began to take root in the city of Rome. It was an alternative. It was a monotheistic, uh, the one true God, Jesus Christ, dying on the cross for the sins of many type religion, which is different than anything else that was there. And the writer is Paul, who is a Jew, and he's actually a, 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 a major leader of the Jewish uh, leadership sect. And he was saved by Jesus. Jesus said a vision showed up, and after the ascension, he showed up and said, Paul, you're going to be a missionary to those that are not Jews. And he went to the Greeks, and that's why Paul's connected to Rome. He wants the people in Rome to know this Jesus, as Paul is saying yes to the calling. So that's the context of the book of Romans. 
But what do we learn about mankind in these first five or so chapters? Well, pretty clearly we learned as we went through sermon after sermon after sermon that people are sinful. And we have some of these slides up here for you guys too that kind of let you know that uh, kind of where we're going today. What do we learn about man? Well, people are sinful. There's a depth of human sin. There's a consequence of human sin. It's this idea of turning away from God. It's like, here's the world. Here's God. We turn away from God, and we want to run to the world, run to ourselves. It's points that we, this, this, is, this first five cha- chapters point that there's this inherent deep cancer, if you will, that's a part of our Spirits, a part of our souls that allows us to love the world in a certain way. We, we desire the things. We desire the darkness. We desire to be out of the light of God. So we need some divine help. Romans 1.21 says this, For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creepy things. And if I can continue, hobbies and relationships and family and, and country and politics or ideologies. Like, right, we just, we quickly find things that become the number one thing in our lives. And that's what sin is. We turn away from God and find other things to become the main thing we worship. And this is all people. This isn't just the people in Rome. This is humanity. In Romans 3.23, just very clearly states, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. This this uh, image-bearing humanity that we have as we follow God, we're creating his image to be like him. We, uh, we fall short of that perfection. So we're dark. We're, we recognize that no one's righteous. No one's perfect enough to be like God. We, we have pride in our intelligence, as, we, as we've read, our philosophies. Uh, we, we live lives where we compare ourselves to each other. And if we're better than another person, then we must be good. And that becomes our new religion, just being better than other people. So our thinking, though, is defined as sinful, futile, foolish, weak. Welcome to Romans, right? It's like, it's like this is what we learn as we get started. What do we learn about mankind? We, we kind of run from God. Secondly, the O-M-G, the G is God. What is it? What do we learn about God? Well, God shows up in this uh, place that we find ourselves as humans is weak. Romans 5, 6. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, one would even dare, dare even to die. But God chose his love for us, and that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Amen? You can say it in your house too, right? It's like, it's like, amen. Christ died for us while we were running away from him. So what does the beginning of Romans teach about God? Well, first of all, God loves people. That was his motivation. He demonstrates his love. So he has love, and then he demonstrates it by while we were weak, he sends Jesus to be our savior. Secondly, we learn that God judges sin. There's punishment for disobedience. Jesus Christ died on a cross. Like there's literal punishment for sin. He's one who judges. He must act on his character of having 
wrath against sin. It's either going to be Jesus and his crucifixion or eternal damnation and hell. Those are the options that we find in, in the scriptures. Romans 2, 6 says this. He will render to each one according to his works to those who by patience and well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality. He will give eternal life, but for those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, there will be wrath and fury. So God judges sin. Clearly, we'll learn that in these first five. What else do we learn about God? Well, here's some good news for all of us. God saves. That's the good news. Right? So we have, a, we have God who loves us since Jesus, so there's this judgment, but he, he saves, he gives opportunity. Romans 5.18. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification in life for all men. For as by the one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience the many will be made righteous. You're made righteous somehow through the work of God. God is a God of salvation. So Paul, in this passage specifically, is comparing Adam, a one man that led to death for all. He points to Jesus, the new Adam, the the Savior of the world, the one that God sent because he loves us so much, to be the one who pays all the punishment for mankind for those who put their faith in him. So just in review, that God loves people, God judges sin, and God saves. And what do we learn about mankind here? We have a few new things. That people can be saved from their sin. People can move from war with God to to peace with God. You You can put your faith in Jesus Christ and have a new life. Romans 5, 1 says this. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So you go, as a Christian, are you, as, what, what is Christianity about? Well, it's about a group of people. So it's, it's not a person, but a group of people that God has called into his family. They were once enemies, but now they're family. That's the beauty of Christianity. And the family means you're the family of God, but you also have a family here together on this planet and into eternity. We are brothers and sisters in Christ that we can live this life with and seek the joy of God with. And God will add to our number as people see the way we love one another. We find that. So OMG, we learned about the, we observed the context of Romans some, where Rome was, the people group, uh, Paul writing to them. We looked at mankind that, you know, people, People are sinful. People can be saved, which is great news. And people will have peace. And what do we learn about God? Well, God loves people. Praise the Lord. God judges sin. That's just who God is. He must because he's perfectly just. But God saves through all this. So I want to end by this, this, this last part. When we say, OMG, me, the me part is like, well, so what, how do I walk away from uh, you know, these first five chapters of Romans, this kind of theological direction that there is a God who saves sinners, and I am, of course, one. Number one, I just want to say this. Are you trying to find peace in this life from anywhere but God? Anywhere but God. And I just want to say, as the Scriptures have taught me, I've taught many that I know. It's futile to seek peace in this world. The world will let you down, but it is God who is faithful 
to the end and into eternity to love you no matter what. And how would you get this kind of peace? How do you get this eternal salvation? Well, you must begin by humbling yourself, admitting that they're, yeah, I'm one of those sinful people that doesn't act like God. I need help. I need salvation. I need forgiveness. So that's where it starts. It starts in your heart to go, yes, I need God. I need Jesus. And secondly, you need to say yes to Jesus as being the king of your life. The throne of, the, the throne of your life is now, it, it, it's being sat upon by Jesus and not you. So you must be humble enough to step off and Jesus to step on. And you say yes to Jesus every day. When, when Jesus, just like he said to the fishermen and the disciples, come follow me. You just like, drop your net. You say, yes, I want to follow you. That's what a Christian is. You become a part of the family of God when that happens. You become saved when Jesus becomes the Lord of your life. So that's my question for you today. Like for the me part, do, are you a follower of Jesus? My hope is that you would say yes. If not, you can ask him to be your savior today between you and him. We're gonna have, we're gonna have a little prayer time in a second. We're gonna have a song. Say, Jesus, I wanna humble myself. I'm a sinner. Save me. Forgive me. And he will. And you say yes to him each and every day of your life. You say, yes, Jesus, I will follow you. The Spirit will come into your life, and your life will be changed. And you will join the family of God. But secondly, I know many of you have already said yes to the, for, to the first question. You've been walking with Jesus maybe for, for a year or for 50 years. But my hope for you is that you would recognize what does Romans have to say for you. Well, as I was reviewing this, this passage from Romans 6, it was kind of towards the end as we were kind of wrapping up, uh, getting ready for the Christmas season. Um, it just reminded me about peace, where true peace comes from, and where we kind of get kind of get locked up in this world sometimes, where we, we don't feel like we should we we should have the peace, but we don't, and it's kind of a cycle of sin. And, and Romans six ten through fourteen kind of speaks to us, and I would kind of end with this before we have a prayer time. So if you pay, pay attention to this passage, because hopefully it'll be helpful for you. It's Romans six ten. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. That's what we must do. We're dead to sin. So, and we're alive in Jesus. So verse 12. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members as sin, as instruments of, for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God for those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under law but under grace. So for you as the believer in the room or the believer in your home or wherever you're watching online, my hope for you is that you would hear the joy that your sin has been destroyed. It should have no dominion over you. That you can be free of those things. You can have peace with God. You could say no to things and yes to God. And your body and your actions and your, your eyes, your mouth, your hands, your feet, where you go, they can either be for righteousness, for the way of love, or they can be the way of self and the way of the world. And for the Christian, you are free to say yes to Jesus every day. And my hope for you, that you would not let sin reign. It no longer has dominion over you. Say that to yourself. Remind yourself the scriptures say, there is no more power that sin has over you. This is the beauty of the peace. 
So what is this saying to you today in your life? Here's my prayer as we close. We'll have a short time of prayer and then we'll sing a new song um, about God never letting us down. Psalm 139 says this. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there's any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. If I would have the band come up as we get ready to play our final song, this is my desire for you, is that you would say this prayer between you and God as we close out our service today. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. It's like, God, shine your light on me. Show me where I'm running from you and I'm not living for righteousness. And see if there's anything in me that, and and then the beautiful part of this passage is, and now lead me. I follow you, Jesus. Now lead me in the way of everlasting, eternity, peace. Show me.